Subscribe to the Fashion League podcast on whichever platform you're listening to this right now. Stop what you're doing and tap subscribe. On this episode of the Fashion Week podcast, I talk with Janelle Kelly. Janelle and I worked together at Oprah Magazine for a hot second. As I was joining the magazine, she was leaving to finish up her master's degree in public relations. She's now the associate manager of social media marketing at Fenty Beauty. We talked all about her journey from leaving her hometown in Florida to working in New York and now moving across the country to California to start a new job in the middle of a pandemic. Meanwhile, J. Crew and Neiman Marcus were filing for bankruptcy and J.C. Penney is looking to file bankruptcy as well later this week. Macy's was able to find an investor to buy 5% of the company after Bloomberg reported last month that the retailer is exploring new sources of financing amid the coronavirus pandemic. The investor is a Czech billionaire whose company owns stake in large retail chains across the globe. And apparently we already know which colors will be trending in spring 2022. According to the trend forecasters at WGSN, the key spring 2022 hues are electrifying pink, a yellowish orange, a calming blue, and a plant-based green and a creamy butter shade. A creamy shade of butter? (laughs) But... What you don't know is that that sweater is not just blue, it's not turquoise, it's not lapis, it's actually cerulean. All right, we're on. We're just going to start from the beginning, Janelle. Where did you go to school? Where did you grow up? So I am originally from Orlando, Florida, Kissimmee, Florida. Not as fancy as Orlando, (laughs) but eventually moved to Orlando. I went to college at Penn State for undergrad, and then I did the Johns Hopkins online graduate program. What did you study for your grad program? So I did a communications degree with a focus in public and media relations. Is that related to your undergrad? Kind of, but not really. So my undergrad, I I double majored in advertising and women's studies. And I have a very like writing heavy background because of women's studies. Mm -hmm. And I knew I wanted to go into something like publishing, like media and that. And I knew that the writing, my writing was going to have to change. And that's specifically why I focused on that program, because I wanted help changing my voice, not writing, you know, such lengthy things to get to the point. And I figured after reading into that program, it seemed like the right fit for me. What made you want to think about a career in publishing? What led to that? I love magazines. Don't we all? I mean, when my best friend and I, like when she would spend the night, she had, I think she had a subscription to Seventeen. Mm Mm-hmm. And she would always bring them over because I would always ask her, like, hey, make sure you bring over your magazines. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know, like, where that came from. I just really liked looking through the pages and stuff. Like, that was just, it it was just, like, so easy for me to pass time just staring at, like, five magazines and going through them in depth. Did you do any internships while you were in undergrad? Just the one at O Magazine. Just. I know. It's, like, 
oh, just one. And then it's like, oh, that one. (laughs) It was such a spur of the moment sort of thing because I was in my junior year and I realized I really need an internship. I don't know how I'm going to get a job. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in college, I don't know. I don't think internships are necessary. Well, some programs require them. That's true. That's more common nowadays. Maybe a couple years ago, it was just a new thing to have that in your program and required it. Yeah, because, which I mean, I hope that that if they're requiring them, they're requiring it for companies that pay. Right. Because I don't think, you know, I don't think it's fair to be in an unpaid internship and work more hours than the full-time paid employees. Well, that's also why you see such a divide, especially in underrepresented groups. Like a mm-hmm. lot of people can't afford to take a unpaid internship. I know for my undergrad, I went to Hampton University. We weren't even allowed to take unpaid internships. So entering at a magazine wasn't a thing for me, at least in undergrad. But the unpaid aspect of many internships, I feel like also a lot of those are going away, especially now at Condé Nast. And even Hearst now has a fellowship program. Condé Nast does freelancers. So the industry is kind of getting their stuff together. But then that also leads to less opportunities for getting that experience at a magazine because you can't have a lot of freelancers as many as you could have interns. That is so true. Because especially and especially when these bigger ones are in big cities, like, oh my God. Do you even afford to intern at a magazine unpaid in New York City? The only reason I was able to do it was because my dad lives in New York. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have to worry about housing or food. Right. Oh, and then I also remember Penn State, they had like a scholarship you could apply to if you were interning in the, during the summer and like weren't getting paid. They had this, this like scholarship thing, I think, where you received like a small like stipend. There are a couple of those, at least Ed2010, Ed2010.com. They used to, I don't know if they still have it. It was like a trust fund, they called it. I think it was like $1,200 or something. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I forgot that. But yeah, I I remember like signing up for it because I was like, oh, I need this. Like I can't work and do this internship. No, some people do. Like I've heard stories of like people waitressing at night and showing up the next morning I think if it's possible then do it but in my circumstance like as a style intern we were coming in at like nine in the morning and we weren't leaving until midnight right (laughs) (laughs) so like you know even if I wanted to it was completely out of like there was no way I can't believe we did that wow (laughs) I'm like man those times that was crazy well, late nights, you, you get dinner at least. <laughs> yeah, sure. You're so, you're like too tired to even eat. Like, you know, you're hungry, but you're just like, I just want to go home. Like, that's how you feel. Well, what is that? Exhaustion is a, uh, is a appetite suppressant. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's I'm... not, don't, don't look that up. That's terrible. <laughs> so after your internship at O, then what did you do? Um, so I had put grad school on pause because as you heard, I couldn't do both at the same time. And it was a part-time, even though it was a part-time program, it still required a lot of attention from me mm-hmm. that I wouldn't be able to dedicate at the same time. So after I left O, oh wait, you said after my internship at O. Yes, yes. Don't speak oh my gosh. <laughs> I went back to school. Whoops. 
let's rewind a little bit. Not, I was, I'm not in grad school yet. I'm still in, still in undergrad. And I, I was like graduating and I did not have a job out of school yet. And it was really like, I, I remember just being like really depressed, like the first week after school, because you get so like used to having that routine mm-hmm. and then it's like gone. And now you're just not, now you're, a, now you're an adult and you need a full-time job and this and that. And it was like, it was like a shock phase I went through for a little bit. And I just, I don't know, I was really picky too about like where I wanted to work because I was so upset that my friends that I knew had quote unquote real jobs. And I was considering, I was like, I was like reaching out to all of these companies that I had like seen at the career fair and everything. But in all honesty, none of them were really something I wanted to do. They were all like ad agencies. And I just was like, Oh, I just, I already knew I did not want to work in an ad agency. Like I just, it was not my thing. My mom was basically like, well, you need to do something because you can't sit around here and not work. (laughs) I remember. So when I was an undergrad, I was also, I had done like part-time work at like Abercrombie and Fitch, like as a, as an associate. And that's because before undergrad, I had worked there, I think the summer before college. So I was already like an associate in the system. So they would just like transfer all my information to the location that was in state college at the time where Penn State was oh, or is. The location is no longer there. That store is no longer there. Oh but, no, um, retail apocalypse. I'm sorry. Ah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, I, so I became a, an assistant store manager at the, at the Abercrombie and Fitch location that was next to my home. And that was like super simple because I had known all my bosses already and they already really liked my work ethic and everything. So they were just like, just do this, you know, until you find what you want to do. And still during that time, I hadn't, like, I knew I wanted to go to grad school too. So that was another thing that was like hard for me to find a job because I was like, well, I still want to go to grad school though. So do I focus on getting into grad school or do I focus on getting a full-time job? I was finally like pushed like by my mom to just apply to the Johns Hopkins program. I did not think I had a chance at getting in. And that's because I just didn't have confidence in myself. If I'm being like hundred percent honest, I think now when I realized my grades were great, my GPA was great. And like I had the recommendations that I needed from professors, but what deterred me from applying originally was because my college roommate, she applied and she, she's like still there actually, but she, she applied like a doctorate program in like electrical engineering and she was an electrical engineer and French double major in school. So I was like, um, we are not on the same level. Like I might be a, du- a, you know, a double major, but not like that. Like I'm not, you know, creating machines and then speaking another language in the next like 30 minutes. Like, so I was just like, so even she, like she had encouraged me to apply and I was like, no, nah, we're not on the same level. Like, I don't think I'm not going to apply to be denied. And then it was just finally like months later when I was at home and my mom was just like, you have nothing to lose and you have a really good chance of getting in. You should just do it. So I like finally submitted the application. I reached out to um, two of my professors that I had really enjoyed in undergrad and I, and they were like glad to write me a letter of recommendation. I think it was like two weeks after I submitted everything. And it says like, I'm pretty sure like the wait around time is like a good month, but they like accepted me in two weeks. And I was like, What? I was just like shocked and just like really happy. My life felt like it was going in a direction I wanted it to go in. Mm-hmm. So I started that program and I was still at Abercrombie and Fitch as, as an assistant manager full time. And then later on, like a few months later, a friend of mine who had also interned at O when I was there 
she was there as the as your position i think she like emailed me and she was like hey do you know like like your boss from your internship she's leaving you should totally reach out and like get her job and i was like can i do that and she was like yeah just like email she's like they don't have anybody like you know right now they're kind of just scrambling around and favorite things is coming up and she's gonna be gone i was like okay well i did intern during favorite things so i have an idea of like what you know what it consists of gosh i only knew the intern side i did not know like the style assistant side (laughs) so how naive was i like (laughs) i was just like okay yeah that sounds great so i reached out and like i like literally the next day the style contributor thinks she's still there i don't know she like emailed me and was like hey are you able to talk on the phone and i was like oh my gosh i was like yeah so it was it was like a boom 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 process like the next week i was flying out to new york to meet her and have like my interview and then when i came back i literally came back to florida right after my interview the next day she like called me and like and offered me the job so I was so ecstatic because I was like, yeah, I'm sick and tired of retail. (laughs) I, you know, I had like, I I had done my first, like I had worked my first like Black Friday Thanksgiving shifts. And I was like, oh my God. No, I remember like saying to God that night, I was like, Lord, this is the last time I am working retail during the holidays. I will never do this again. And I like made sure to like bow to myself that that would never happen again because Oh my gosh, retail is a, it is a humbling experience, let me tell you. And then I was at O. So you were at O as a style assistant and also doing your master's program. I stopped, well, I, I paused the master's program mm-hmm. once I got the job and I, I had talked it over with my mom and she was like, I don't think there is any way you will be able to excel in this, you know, at, at either if you're doing both at the same time. Right. So I made the decision, you know, I was like, yeah. And it was, and thankfully they have options where like, like, that's what I really liked about the program too. They're so flexible because they understand things happen. So you have the option to like take a pause, like your financial aid or like pause your semester here. And then you can come back to it when you're ready. And it was such a simple process. Like I just had to fill out a form, let them know, Hey, unfortunately I can't continue right now, but I will be coming back in this, in this semester and it's like, it's, it's such a simple process. So I will say it was a little bit like a guns blazing sort of feeling when I went back to it, because, you know, you're, when you're out of school for a certain amount of time, you kind of like forget the rhythm of how things go. Mm-hmm. And then when you get back into that, it's hard to like train yourself again to, you know, those like internal schedules and things like that. So that was something hard to like get back into after I left O, but I just knew I wanted to get it over with. I knew it was not an option to not complete the program. After you finished your master's program, what Mm -hmm. did you do next? Oh, okay. So by the time I finished my master's program, that's when I was at Tarte as a customer service rep. And I had gotten that position through a temp agency because I was doing school and I wasn't working and I wanted some kind of income. What does uh, a customer so, service rep do? A customer service representative. Mm-hmm. So I was the person, like, if you had an issue with your order, you call, I pick up the phone and I look up your order and I, you know, find everything you need. That's basically what we did. We also. Did you mm-hmm. only talk over the phone? I'm just wondering are there people talking yeah. online or are they all bots? Oh, no, no, not. I mean, 
at least from what I knew, I'm not sure how it is now, but when I was there at Tarte, like you were talking to real people on the phone, our chat thing on the website, that's mm-hmm. real people talking back to you. I'm always questioning, like, is this a person? I know. Like, and like, you would get, like, we would get chat sometimes, like, are you, a, are you a human being? And it's like, <laughs> that's me. I, it was me. <laughs> it's like, if I say yes, you're not going to believe me. And if I say no, you're not going to, I like, that's I'm going to tell right. you yes, because I am. But like, I, that's, that's as much proof as I can give you, you know, like, <laughs> give me your driver's license. Yeah. Like, do you have a social security number? Like, yes, I'm a real person. And we, and, you know, we would be chatting like three people at one time. So that was an interesting experience, but I knew I didn't want to do that forever. So the closer I got to ending my, to ending my like grad school program, I would, I was like asking around, like talking to a lot of, like a lot of the people in the social department specifically because I'd been spending some time up there with them. They were using me for model, like as a model for some of the shoots and stuff. And I got to know, like gotten to know some of them well. And they were like, why aren't you doing something, you know, more than customer service? Like you have your master's degree. And I was like, I don't know, like, do I have that option to move around and everything? And after like speaking to a few people, I was able to get, I wouldn't really call it, I mean, it was like, it was like an interview kind of, it was just really weird. Like I still to this day wouldn't really call it an interview. Mm -hmm. It was just like, I was being told what the social team really does. And I don't know how to explain why I can't call it an interview. (laughs) It's just like how I felt and how I still feel right now about that moment. But I eventually did interview with the, I think she was the director of that department and she, I had a really, I really liked her a lot. She was really great. And then the following week I was leaving on like a two week trip to Asia with my boyfriend, two or three weeks. I think it was two or three. Yeah. It was pretty long. Listen, I get anxious after one week. I got to go home. I'm sorry. Really? Oh my gosh. No, we love traveling. That was like, and we knew like if we were going to Asia, we knew it had to be something pretty long because, you know, the the flight there is so long. Like that's already a day into your trip. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so uh, I was in Asia and like boarding our our next flight to Thailand when they called or like when I got an email saying, hey, like we're giving you the job. And I was like, amazing. So I'm going back to work with, you know, a new job and an increase in pay, which was great. That's exciting news to get while on vacation. Yeah, right. And it just, it puts your mind at ease and you're just able to relax even more because you're like, yes, this is, this is great. So yeah, I, like when I came back, I was now on the social team and my job really consisted of monitoring, you know, our social media channels, so Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, looking at comments, interacting with customers helping with content creation, all of that good stuff, like anything you can think of. And I was like, nice. I did that for almost a year, but I knew I wanted, I knew like Tarte wasn't really up my alley. It's like, they make great makeup, but I was more interested in like a different aesthetic. And that's when I came across Fenty. I mean, obviously I knew about Fenty way before that, but, (laughs) but I had been like, you know, perusing the LinkedIn, trying to find something that stood out to me. I had even like talked to a few other temp agencies and like gone on a couple interviews, but I just really, really wasn't feeling it. And I didn't, I mean, I remember even telling one of the people because they wanted me for a second interview. And I was just like, I am so sorry. I just, I'm going to tell you right now, you deserve someone who's a lot more invested in what you're asking. And I just, I can't deliver on that. And I was, 
I was just like, I had to be honest with myself. And it, that was a big moment for me when I started realizing I need to be honest with myself. I don't, I'm not feeling my job anymore. I need to get out because it's not, it's no longer like, I don't care anymore. And when I don't care about something, oh, it is bad. I just, I had like no motivation to do anything anymore. And it was, it was a plethora of reasons why it came down to that. But I saw a posting about Fenty on LinkedIn and I was like, let me just shoot my shot. And the job that I was applying to was like a senior position. And I was like, "Mm, (laughs) I don't know if I'm really qualified, but sometimes you just shoot your shot. Okay. Right. So I just applied to the senior role and I was, I was like, you know, the worst they can tell me is no, which is fine. I was like, let me just see what happens. I think it was like a day or two later, I got an email from the HR department and the lady was like, saw you applied to this role. I think like, or she was like, we're asking for someone who's more qualified than you. However, we have a rule right underneath it that you are qualified for. Would you like to interview for it? And I was like, what? Like, how often does that happen when the HR department's like, no, but like, it's always just no, No. or it's an automated, you know, response. It's like, thank you for applying. Unfortunately, we found someone other, you know, better for this position or something like that. So of course I jumped on that and I was like, yeah, definitely. I am a hundred percent okay with applying for that role. And it was, it was again, like another really fast process, like a lot faster than I anticipated. And like within, I think it was like two weeks, I've, maybe like a week not two weeks I'm gonna say two weeks it was within like two weeks I found out that like I got the position and it was crazy because it was like like my boyfriend is also trying to come out to California which is great but we both knew that at some point it was going to be one of us here (laughs) alone and then the other would come after so we were like talking about it like on the weekends like after I had an interview I'd always like talk to him about it say if I felt good about it or not And it was still just like, okay, well, this is still if, you know, it's still if, and then the if quickly turned into when am I leaving? That was a lot. And then coronavirus happened. Wow. Okay. It has been a whirlwind, Michaela, a hundred percent. And so now you're in LA working at Fenty Beauty doing social media. What is your day to day like? Because you started as this coronavirus was taking over. Yeah. So we're actually based in San Fran. Did I say LA? <laughs> yeah, but that's fine because I, I know I think Savage X like is there in LA and then we're in San Fran. I don't know why we can't share a city, but <laughs> yeah, we're in San Fran. Um so like my day-to-day responsibilities right now, it's really weird, you know, coming into a company during a pandemic. Obviously, this is not like normal for anyone. So it's, and it's particularly hard for me because I am a hands-on person and I like to be like, you know, I, I'm, I like physical things and all that I'm doing right now has to be virtual, which is strange, but I'm getting used to it. Day-to-day responsibilities right now, honestly, I'm still learning the ins and outs of everything, learning the voice, which is super important because it's so different than Tart's voice. And just like, learning about all of the goals that they have for the company and how I can bring like my two cents in and help those goals come to fruition. So it it has been a lot and I'm still meeting new people. Two days ago, I met like new people in the company. So it's like, it's just, it's a lot still happening, but I'm really excited and I'm thankful to be here. 
So sounds amazing. But are you ready to play faux or fashion? Wait, can you explain it to me again? Yes, of course. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to read you three headlines and you're going to tell me if it's a real story. So if it's a real story, it'll be fashion. And if it's a fake story, you'll say faux. It's a fake story. Okay. Faux or fashion. Simple, easy peasy. You ready for your first question? Yes. Okay. Net-a-Porter, the luxury online retailer known for its same-day delivery service here in Manhattan, where I am, for the past couple of weeks, they've been using their delivery vehicles to deliver meals throughout New York City and the surrounding region. So is this a true fashion story or a fake fashion story? Oh. I hope it's true. So I'm going <laughs> to fashion story yes okay. okay good i guess i would be a monster for making that up no they're not giving out free meals like wow way to way to throw shade <laughs> so it is true net-a-porter partnered with the nonprofit god's love we deliver and as a part of the nonprofit's emergency shelf stable meal delivery service so during the food drive god's love we deliver They've said they've already delivered 140,000 meals across Hudson County, New York, and Westchester and Suffolk County. So that's, that's a lot. incredible. They've been delivering 14 days worth of non-perishable foods. So, wow. Yeah. And so they're going to keep it going. Are you ready for your second fashion headline? Yes. <laughs> According to former Vogue editor-at-large, Andre Leon Talley, his former boss and former friend, Anna Wintour, used her influence to get Vogue's publishing company, Condé Nast, to purchase a home for Andre Leon Talley's grandmother. Is that a true story or a faux story? True? It is true! Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> so, Buy a house? <laughs> this is from his memoir. He's quoted in the media, I think in one of the reviews actually from British Vogue. Oh no, it's from the former editor of British Vogue. She wrote a review about his new upcoming memoir, The Chiffon Trenches. And he mentioned that Anna Wintour, his former friend, helped buy a home for his grandmother. So yeah. That is so kind. Mm-hmm. He also said other things about their friendship, but we can we can read the memoir. <laughs> so, are you ready for your last question? Yes. Okay. Eco-friendly, acclaimed fashion designer Stella McCartney said that she believes no one needs to buy anything ever again, regarding fashion at least. Is this a faux story or a fashion story? Did a fashion designer say no one needs to buy any more clothes ever? Oh, that's hard. I, is it faux? No, it's true. You could have been a champ undefeated. Oh, no. So it's a real story. So Stella McCartney speaking with Women's Wear Daily, she said, I think now more than ever is the time to look at our industry and say, okay, truckloads of fast fashion that is being incinerated or buried. That's over a hundred billion dollars worth of waste each year in fibers, in resourcing. It's crazy. And I yeah. agree. I don't think anyone needs to buy anything ever again. That's it. I agree. To be honest though, like even now, I mean, obviously like I'm not spending a crazy amount of money right now 
just because like I'm trying to like get my life right after I just like moved across the country. Yeah. But at the same time, it, it's true. It's like we overconsum overconsumption is a real thing, and I think now more than ever, I think this is a time where people are starting are realizing that you know, like staying home and being like, wow, like there's all this stuff that I have right now, and like what is it doing for me? It's doing nothing. So. That's interesting that she said that, like, obviously you, you would, like, I assumed a fashion designer would be like, people still need to, like, buy, you know, this and that, but I don't know, I, I agree, I agree with that statement a lot. Tori Birch, she was lobbying our mayor here in New York to get more funding for the garment industry here in New York, which there are a lot of people working in different segments of the industry here. So that's a lot of money being lost for people not working. But also you have the counter argument of really, it's a lot of waste in the industry. So if there's some kind of balance we can find to strike of how we can get people back to work, but also reimagining how we produce things, that's Mm -hmm. kind of what we could use this moment for. But yeah. All right. That's it. That's the whole thing. Shabang, shaboom. We're done.